0: Welcome to American Dispatches, the podcast where we discuss emerging world news and interesting stories for an American perspective. I'm your host, Vic. I've traveled to 105 countries, been a contributor to Soldier Fortune magazine, hold a BA in international relations, and an NBA. Thank you for listening to episode 30 and letting me into your ear holes today. We're going to discuss a few interesting things, first of which is Soldier in Austria has been thrown in jail for tattooing a swastika on his testicle, so I'm not sure which hurt more. The jail sentence or the swollen ball sack? NATO changes its playbook as the alliance adapts and expands its sphere simply beyond the North Atlantic. Unfortunately, the the war in Yemen has dragged on into its seventh year as a child is estimated to die there every five minutes. Putin and Biden meet in a somewhat epic showdown. And Airbnb has a secret black box team to cover up scandals with some fairly high-profile members on their payroll. (music) First up, we go to Austria, where a soldier has been jailed for 19 months for tattooing a swastika on his balls. That's after he downed a bottle of whiskey and got his brother to do the job. I'm only guessing this was probably done in an army barracks with a handmade tattoo gun and amongst other just horrible decisions about this, probably an unsanitary, just horrible, ugly-looking swastika. (laughs) To compound his dumb mistake, the unnamed soldier went on to post the pictures of the tattoo online and showed off to army comrades. Now, for those that don't know, they don't take glorification of Nazism very lightly in Germany or Austria for obvious reasons. The 19-month jail term for the bad tattoo pretty much puts that right into focus soldier was arrested there was a trial in which he did say that he was sorry and quote i saying he just got in with a bad company so if you're out there listening and you happen to be a member of the german or austrian armed forces please people Don't tattoo a swastika anywhere on you. In fact, I would advise for anybody to just not do that. The world's largest military alliance adopts NATO 2030, a renewed mission statement and a different approach to a changing world. This is as the North Atlantic Treaty Organization has kind of accepted the fact that the world is changing, so this is a good thing, and they're re beyond the Cold War mindset. Now, in this mission statement, they're acknowledging an ever-present, quote, more assertive Russia, adding more brutal forms of terrorism, ongoing instability, cyber and hybrid threats, including uh, technological threats, as well as the pandemic. They are also, and very notably, acknowledging that Uh, China's rise has, quote, fundamentally shifted the balance of power, adding that China's stated ambitions and assertive behavior present systematic challenges to the rule-based international order and to areas relevant to alliance security. That is from a communique signed or drafted by the 30 leaders of the uh, NATO organization, they also went on to say that China is rapidly expanding its nuclear arsenal with more warheads and a larger number of sophisticated delivery systems. NATO is basically, you can make the case that hey, China is not really operating within NATO's sphere of influence. However, you know, there's the US has, which is obviously the the most dominant NATO player has interest in the Pacific, as well as the UK and France. And all major com- countries seem to be vying for some type of presence in the Arctic, which would put us all pot- potentially at odds. So NATO is, again, trying to, to reconfigure their goals and priorities, which is a good thing. It's a sad story coming out of Yemen. Yemen which brings to light just that this war has dragged all but forgotten war has dragged on for the last 7 years where the top health official in the country Najib Kubadi is stating that a child is dying every 5 minutes from mostly preventable diseases this is as the 527 hospitals in the in the poor country uh, are down or inoperable, unusable essentially. He's adding that uh, there's 1.5 million people in the country dealing with chronic disease that they can't get general assistance for and 32,000 need to travel abroad just to receive basic medical treatment. They're not able to get it within the country. So this is something that really should bring to light the fact that the the war there is still going on. and for Basically, it's a call for help for the world to not forget about Yemen. If you'd like to do something to help, I'd suggest checking out the Red Cross page. They are very active in the country, and your assistance is most very much needed. <laughs> Putin and Biden are meeting in an epic showdown. Well, kind of epic. That's as the two met in a lush... M- mansion in switzerland along a lake swiss mountain swiss lake they were invited there by swiss president guy parmelin the three posed for some photos and then later biden and secretary of state anthony blinken Met with Putin and the Russian counterpart foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov. The sides met for 90 minutes, had a 40-minute break, then uh, went back to meeting for four to five hours in an expanded group, including top senior aides. This is seen as something that will set the tone for the next three years, at least, of a lot of geopolitical events. There was a high expectation for a prisoner swap. Notably, there's two Marines in custody in Russia who Biden was hoping to get back. That was unfortunately didn't happen this time around, but it is undoubtedly being discussed. All right, Airbnb has a secretive black box team paying out $50 million a year to keep disasters, stays out of the press, and even giving staff the ability to basically issue blank checks to what's being reported as rape victims and clean up messy murder scenes. Now, the secretive team is made up of around 100 what's been called agents, basically employees or contractors in cities across the world, ranging from Dublin, Montreal to Singapore. They have the power to spend money, more or less, uh, to tackle you know high-profile or issues that otherwise would raise some PR questions, including sexual assaults, murders, and deaths at some of their properties, They're also being tasked with providing support to guests and the hosts and to more or less keep the incidents out of the public eye. One of the most notable members of this black box team was Nick Shapiro. He was an ex-National Security Council Advisor to Barack Obama and Deputy Chief of Staff at the CIA. He likened the black box meetings or operations to the Situation Room in the White House. Um, one such high-profile case Black Box worked on was a rape victim who received seven million dollars in payout for simply agreeing to not imply responsibility or liability to Airbnb or to the host. This was um, after a she was an Australian tourist visiting New York. She apparently picked up her key from a store nearby which is very common with Airbnbs, she went to the apartment. And after coming back with friends, uh, she, she was allegedly raped by a gentleman who had managed to duplicate the key and hide in the bathroom in basically like a worst case scenario type thing. Obviously, when cases like that become national news, people are a lot more hesitant to stay in Airbnb Airbnbs. So it, it does bring to light you know, the lack of safety protocol. You could argue the same thing with hotels. But one thing that I thought was kind of interesting that brought to light was there's no security background whatsoever on hosts. Um, in another pro- high-profile case, for instance, in England, a registered sex offender and pedophile was uh, was one of the people that was renting out his flat. So it just kind of, kind of shows you, you know, that there's possibly room for more oversight in this industry and that's all we have for today folks as always the world is an exciting badass place stay informed you can do so by tuning in here on apple or the google play store until next time vio con dios america